This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast for the 10th of March, and uh, we've got guests again, but regardless, Dave is still here anyway. Hi, Dave. Yay. <laughs> I'm joking. What would I do without my trusty co-host? You're doing all the talking again in this episode, aren't you? Pretty much. Although you do come into your own a little bit partway through. Yeah, I had the uh, distinct pleasure of finishing off the interview. And just for people listening, also being a little bit in the known, I guess, we actually have Patrick McFadden uh, as a guest today. And he's going to talk to us about Apache Cassandra. Cassandra being a bit of a, uh, oh, can I say granddaddy in the open source database, uh, NoSQL environments? Uh, I think you just did. <laughs> I guess I can. <laughs> we, had a, we had a good chat with uh, Patrick about Cassandra and what's happening in there. And uh, yeah, I know. Anything else you want to add before we uh, give the word to Patrick? No, it was a great little uh, intro to the world of Apache Cassandra for anybody who's not familiar with it. And uh, yeah, some nice little insights. So uh, take it away, Patrick. So we're joined today by uh, Patrick McFadden, VP of Developer Relations at Datastax. Welcome, Patrick. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. This is going to be fun, I think. We have a lot to talk about. Yeah, I think so. I think so. During our sort of uh, pre-recording warm-up, things seem to go very well. So uh, yeah, looking forward to the discussion. <laughs> I don't take um, any offense so, to that at all. Exactly. So first of all, like, please introduce yourself to the audience. You know, what, uh, what, brought you, what brought you here? Well, all right. So I think the reason you have me here today is because I've been working with the Apache Cassandra project for, I th yep. think, since the beginning of time. I look back. It's been about <laughs> 10 years, I think, uh, which is a long time for an open source project. But yep. it's it's been a passion of mine for a long time. But a part of that journey is I, I work for Datastax, which is mm -hmm. a company that supports mm -hmm. Cassandra. And uh, I'm very lucky that they, they let me follow my passion with Apache Cassandra and uh, I worked as an evangelist and an advocate. Um, I've worked in developer relations and, and really just to try to get the world, uh, help help the world use Apache Cassandra in the correct way, but also build some pretty incredible stuff. And if you look around, I think I feel successful in some re re um, some respects, but not all. I got a lot of work to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, Cassandra is an incredibly... Um, mature open source project, and you know when you were just mentioned that uh, it's been around for ten years. There, there aren't actually that many projects that have stayed, you know, relevant in 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 across you know a ten year window, uh, and still kind of really widely used. Uh, yeah, and it's and it's an interesting history with Apache Cassandra as well. I mean, sure, Apache projects never really die; they just go quiet <laughs> and they, they go to the isn't there a thing the there's attic. a thing called the attic isn't there where 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 projects that that uh, that are apache actually re do re can eventually retire to <laughs> yeah they become like there's no pmc activity and yeah yeah and you know I, I don't i can't name any offhand but it is nice to know it's more like the library <laughs> it's like a reference <laughs> library of old projects Oh look! Here's a yeah. bunch of Perl code. If you find Perl in Apache project, it's probably in the attic. Um, <laughs> but uh, Cassandra is not going to the attic at all. It's yep. a very active project still, and I think that's one of the perceptions that uh, you know I, I'm trying to fight right now. Is um, 4.0 has been pending for a long time, but for reasons, 
And mm-hmm. uh, that's that's what's exciting right now about the Apache Cassandra project is things, uh, you know, we, we have, if you look at like a 20 year, if we were looking at a 20 year history of Apache Cassandra, you know, we're right in the middle of it. It's gone through this period of time where it had its adolescent, it's going through its adolescence, but it's starting to mature in a really interesting way. Um, I've heard uh, people who drink bourbon compare it that way too. <laughs> it's finally aging properly. But 4.0 is, uh, for any other measurement, is a stability release that is pretty incredible. And um, it is taking time to get it out, but the product that will be finally released, and by the way, it's an Alpha 3 right now, go download, but the product that's mm-hmm. going to be released will blow your mind a little bit. Nice. So for, for people that are maybe less familiar with um, with Apache Cassandra, I mean, it is it is one of the uh, one of the major kind of NoSQL engines out there. But how how would you how would you define NoSQL in the first place for those that maybe again are less familiar with it? Yeah, NoSQL is a, a great term that no one understands, right? <laughs> uh, and it could get it's charged, but I also feel like it's it's becoming the the word we use for non-relational workloads and yeah. relational workloads, of course, dominated databases for 30 years and they still do. I mean, if you look at the top database engines out there, they're relational and relational databases have uh, a lot of use, their general purpose and the way that they work is very useful. I mean, I still use a relational database today, but uh, NoSQL was really popped up around the time the internet became uh, much more of a economic engine. And that, that's probably the mm. best way to explain it. Um, you know, Facebook is like, we have a billion users. That's crazy talk. You know, that's, that's a lot of people. Um, but all if you think about the scale that we were creating, I, I was in I was in that initial dot-com boom in the 90s, you know, late 90s, which was amazing, by the way. Someday I'll write the book. But, um, you know, when we were celebrating hundreds of users on our site, um, and, the, and I was an Oracle programmer and it worked great because hundreds of users I can manage on my Oracle database. Um, but, um, when that changed and we became just, we had to have 24 seven uptime. We had to have scale that we had to be able to prepare for that, that class of database just didn't work anymore. So if you think of NoSQL as as non-relational, but it also brings some other things. And, and there is a variety. There's not just one definition of NoSQL. But if you think of non-relational, and here are the different types. There's document databases. There's key value. Cassandra is a uh, column-based database, which is column families, but it's tabular with rows and columns. Yep. And um, and But it's, it's optimized on three things. And um, that's the uptime. I mean, it mm-hmm. is built to not go down. Um, it's built on this amazing scale. Um, it's easy to go from a small scale to large scale with no downtime. And that's kind of a key tenant. And then the speed, it's, it just can't slow down. And that, I think that was what drew people to Cassandra earlier was, and especially NoSQL is, wow, it's so much faster than my relational database. Um, but if you combine those three things, you pretty much explain thing, uh, uh, attributes that something like a mobile application would need. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, if I get on my iPhone and I click on an app, I'm not going to be okay when it says, sorry. And if you remember back, it wasn't that long ago, 
<clears throat> well, it was 15 years ago, 10 years ago, when Twitter was down more than it was up. Do you guys remember that? <laughs> remember the fail well? <laughs> yeah, that that isn't the case anymore. I mean, whenever I click on the Twitter icon, it's online. Because i got to go see what kind of crazy stuff is getting tweeted right now. Um, <laughs> and you know who you are. <laughs> well, it's not Dave, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I mean, in a nutshell, that I think that's what we've gotten to as a definition of NoSQL is it's it's a different class of database for a different class of problems that has starting to mature around this, this yeah. concept. No, for sure. It's a cool explanation, by the way. Nicely done. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you started to kind of touch on it a little bit, but how does Apache Cassandra, you know, compare with some of the other NoSQL engines out there? How does, how in particular does it, does it stand out beyond the, the things that you mentioned initially? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the first first thing that people notice is data modeling. Um, is how does this work with my application? And let's not even get into like the nerdy arc architecture, which we can do. <laughs> yep. But um, and we will, I'm sure. But the data model is the first thing that we need to think about: is uh, how is this going to interact? How do I interact with it when I'm building an application? And Cassandra has been built; it is definitely built differently um, on how it stores data. But we present it in a way with a Cassandra query language, it's tabular, so it's a table, rows, columns, um, primary key. But the the key difference is that the way we manage the data in partitions, so the partition key inside of a primary key is very important. And that data model, how you data model that is very important for your how you you know you can scale. Other databases, you know, like Mongo is another good example. I think a lot of folks use Mongo, mm -hmm. and it's a document database, meaning you put JSON into it. And then you index the fields inside of the JSON document, which is arguably 100% different to the way Cassandra works. But it works really well for that kind of a workload. Um, and there are key value databases. Um, for instance, uh, like Couchbase and DynamoDB, those are key value databases. And it's just that. It's one key, one value. And there are tricks in the data model that make it look less key value, but that's what it is under the covers. Um, and yep. So, you know, these are, if you just look at data model, you can see the differences between the different uh, NoSQL databases. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we've mentioned, you know, we don't say, we don't say Cassandra, we say Apache Cassandra. Um, how, how important or useful do you think it is being, being an Apache pro, uh, project nowadays? It, well, it's a unique thing for sure. Um, if you look on DB engines, it's the top database. It's one of the top databases, not the top database. Still Oracle, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. We're working. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Well, everybody's working on, uh, on, on yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> everybody agile. wants a piece of that one. <laughs> <laughs> that carcass is huge. Um, it's like a beached whale. I'm sorry, did I say that? Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we have, yeah, we have a really interesting thing to be proud of is it's the only Apache database in that, in that top tier. And mm. that, that's just not heard of. And that's, that also makes it super hard. Um, the other NoSQL databases up there are owned by their, they're by their respective companies. And so they're open, open source ish like Mongo, you know, they have their own licenses yeah. and they're not, they're not governed by a, 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 a third party like ASF. Um, so it, it's got its challenges for sure. 
mean, there's there's community guidelines that have to be held, trademark guidelines, Apache Cassandra. Um, but it is it is unique. That is definitely unique. Yep. And do you think it? Uh, do you think the additional governance and that that sort of the Apache process gives? Do you think that that leads to you know a better a better project, better software? It's arguable. I, you know, it could you could say yes in some ways, um, and no in others. It, I think it it can impede velocity in some respects, mm-hmm. but yep. there's also and it's this it's a challenge, right? And you have to balance it, and it swings both ways. Um, there's whenever it's like doing anything by committee has its own friction, and yeah. that's how a lot of the things happen in any Apache project is by committee. Um, yep. and there has to be consensus and you have to spend time. Um, there's a great term that everyone in Apache projects talks about. It's called bike shedding. I don't know. Are you guys familiar <laughs> with that term? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'd say yes. <laughs> <laughs> bike shedding is when we argue about the color of the bike shed and it's not even about the bike shed. Um, yeah, that actually yeah. came from CERN, didn't it? About the Hadron Collider. <laughs> That's where it originated. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yes. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and we have a Hadron Collider, so something happened. <laughs> it worked out. <laughs> we are colliding things a lot. Um, the uh, yeah, and and that's and that's a could be a bummer. And I think it turns a lot of people off to the Apache way and the Apache processes. They're like, look, I just want to ship software. I don't want to argue about it for six months. <laughs> um, but on the other hand, it it creates something that is. Um, that does kind of rise up in community standards. It's like, okay, this is good for you know, a lot of folks. It's not, it's not just driven by one thing. Um, and you know, that I think this is one of those things that history will, will be the ultimate judge. Um, so far history has yep. been pretty good to Cassandra on that, or in that respect. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, where would, uh, I mean, it's always interesting when you're talking about these kind of back-end technologies um, that for a lot of people that maybe aren't in this space, um, you know, they might not be familiar with where, where Cassandra is used. So like, for, for people who maybe aren't, aren't so embedded in this, where would they have seen, where would they have engaged with a, a system that's backed by um, Apache Cassandra? <laughs> uh, it's one of my favorite things to tell people. You probably use Apache Cassandra every day, every day. Yep. And it, it's just embedded in so much stuff. Anything that's d- being done at scale on the internet is probably using Cassandra somewhere. And um, I mean, the obvious ones, the ones that are more, you know, that are talked about in public um, and it, very cautiously. And I have to be cautious about that too. Is yeah. Netflix, very popular uh, or very um, vocal Cassandra user. And Netflix has built a business around how Cassandra works. Distributed data, distributed company, or distributed video. You can go anywhere in the world. Um, your playlist is intact. Thank you, Cassandra. Um, uh, Apple is another really big user of, uh, of Cassandra. Um, you know, their, their iCloud team uh, has, they always do a talk. Every year they do a couple of talks. They're... They're the fun group because they always bring the slide of like we have two hundred thousand nodes in production, and you know petabytes of data. <laughs> so I, I assume that if you have an i an iPhone, you probably use Cassandra 
a lot. <laughs> um, but there's, you know, there's a lot of other really cool things that are happening. Like Monzo Bank is another great example of, of how things are shifting quickly. Uh, Monzo, if you're not familiar, is it's a uh, internet only bank, one of the online only banks, but they are Cassandra 100. percent And that's mm-hmm. they're the, one of my favorite things to, to counter that. Well, banks would never use Cassandra. Uh, yeah, they will. Um, and here's another factoid. Every bank uses Cassandra because it never goes down and it never loses data. So uh, and that's those are things that banks love. <laughs> Don't lose my data. Yeah. Um, but it's and it's it's just a fascinating place we're at with Cassandra is that it's uh, it's been around for so long and it's just proven that it's creeped into every corner you can think of. And that's one of the things that are really it just makes me proud of the project is we haven't just we don't have a massive marketing budget. We've gotten here because it worked. It was word of mouth. Engineers talking to engineers saying, well, this thing works for me and it works really well. Huh. Maybe I'll use that on my next project. Nice. So, you know, for those who are looking for um, a MySQL engine, you know, what are the what are the use cases that uh, that make a good match for Apache Cassandra? Um, well, the use cases, like I said, covered they cover everything. But I, the ones that I think that make the most sense, and this is how I always try to help people get there, is uh, think of transactional workloads, not acid transactions. You probably don't need acid transactions. Yep. You need something that's transactional. Get put. Um, that are closer to your users. So if you, if you want to make sure that you're giving your customers the best possible experience, put Cassandra as close as possible to them. So things like uh, that you would see in transaction management would be something like, um, you know, the, any kind of user-based inf- uh, profiles, shopping carts, um, mm-hmm. session management. Um, those are really a sweet spot with Cassandra. Um, as a matter of fact, that is where a lot of companies, like especially banks, are using it in retail banking because they want yeah. their front end application to be online 24 7. They can't do batch anymore, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> and they need that kind of uptime because when people bank, it could be three o'clock in the morning <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. And yep. <laughs> it's always three o'clock in the morning somewhere. <laughs> That's right. It's five o'clock somewhere, and we should have a beer. <laughs> Well, we had, uh, you know, when we try to think of where we put Cassandra, that's a good starting place. Is where, where do you want to upset your customers the least? And so uh, user management, um, things like uh, transaction processing, IoT is also another sweet spot for Cassandra. Fraud detection. Um, it's used quite a bit in fraud detection just because it's it has that high, uh, high bandwidth for bringing data in, but also the scale to management. So... Uh, these things tend to happen in, in like IO2 is same. It comes in waves and you just need to be able to manage that. So, um, you know, those are, I think those are some of the, I know they're broad, but they're really critical. You know, mobile applications need user management mm-hmm. and transaction management. Every one of them does. So they should probably all be using Cassandra. Is there kind of a footprint requirement, minimum, maximum? I mean, you talked about this NoSQL solution. NoSQL solutions scale very well. That's basically what they're built for. Uh, how big does my data hunger of my project need to be before I should evaluate Cassandra? 
Yeah, that's a great question because it's, it it brings up this thing of like, well, and I hear that a lot. It's like, well, I don't need anything big and crazy like mm-hmm. Cassandra. Um, and that's that's a legitimate thing to consider. Um, it you never deploy just one. No one deploys one node in Cassandra. That that would be a very boring database at that point. Um, <laughs> it, it wants to work as a for team. That. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> SQLite's your friend. Um, <laughs> um, and then you know, there's if you have a gigabyte of data uh, that you only need one machine for, SQLite, <laughs> uh, Berkeley DB, also really good. Um, but you know, like I said, it, it, Cassandra wants to be in a team. You know, mm-hmm. so a minimum of three or four nodes really is is the correct way to do it because it, you're there because if you have a requirement for uptime, that may not have anything to do with the size of your data. Yeah. And that's something to consider. HFA, yeah. uh, high availability things, you typically need mo- at least three nodes to have a quorum. So you're pretty much yeah. in that set already. And I would assume also that now with uh, things like public cloud coming on that a, a node doesn't have to be a 128 gigabyte RAM, 64 core machine anymore. You can also scale on that point, right? Yeah, it, we have this. Uh, one of our one of our consultants years ago wrote a blog called Little Big Data, mm-hmm. and he covered a couple of cases where it wasn't a lot of data. It was measured in gigabytes, but it was the use case required 100 mm-hmm. percent of time. Just, and also the velocity, the concurrency, things like that. Right. Yeah. And um, and the resiliency was we need to be able to run in multiple regions in Amazon. Mm-hmm. But it, they weren't, you're right, they weren't really big instances of, of Amazon uh, EC2 instances. That wasn't the point. It was they knew that, that if like a whole region at Amazon went down, they were still online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they were into. Um and even like inside of a single region, having it in multiple availability zones gives you a really strong chance. Yeah. And so, yeah. Well, I guess also the the, the, the long term future looking thing. I mean, something starts small, you always hope you grow, you, you get that big. And if you start with a Berkeley DB or a NoSQL, at a certain point, it just doesn't scale anymore. I'm, I'm assuming that with Cassandra being NoSQL, if you if you need to grow, you can grow. And you know, so let's let's go a little down the fu- let's let's go down this rat hole of the future. Yes, uh, there's been some really interesting discussions around the project. Just um, various users and some of the committers around how do we make Cassandra smaller? And that may sound kind of silly, mm-hmm. but if you look at the future of edge computing yep. and what that's supposed to bring, um, that's uh, instead of having these massive data center, like this, let's face it, edge and what 5G is supposed to bring and all those things, this is a fundamental threat to cloud because it, it decentralizes your yep. data, decentralizes your applications away from cloud. Um, but if you're if you're distributing your data like the way Cassandra could do, what if you need to be able to install it on a small form device, like a switch? Mm-hmm. And this these are, you know, we're looking forward, like, Cassandra needs to be able to get smaller, much smaller in that case. Are you also looking as far as uh, microservices, uh, Kubernetes platforms, things like that? Oh, you started the Kubernetes discussion. Kubernetes <laughs> <laughs> is allowed. Blockchain is not. Yeah. <laughs> blockchain, okay. okay. I was going to say, if we will bring a blockchain, I'm out. <laughs> I'm just going to hang. Same here. <laughs> 
Although, let me tell you, we are an ex... No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever does anything. Right, your stock went up a couple it's, of notches it, anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, it comes up, everyone's like, wouldn't Cassandra be amazing for blockchain? Oh, I'm like, God. why? <laughs> it's a distributed <laughs> database, not a hash table. Uh, anyway. Yeah, no, 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 I started that. <laughs> you began this. Yeah, no, I'm good. Uh, so, yeah, what, what about the Kubernetes? But that... I have I have a fundamental belief that Cassandra is that you know is the right database in a Kubernetes environment, and we're working hard towards that now. Um, Kubernetes, any kind of distributed environment like that, and especially whenever you're orchestrating a large scale infrastructure, large scale but maybe small factor. This, I mean, it, it, look at how many devices now have to be connected in a network. What happened? I thought we were have to we were going to have less of this, but no, everything is so much we're expanding into the sphere and there's tiny little devices and there's starting to be millions of them mm -hmm. this is why ipv6 exists yeah does it i haven't yeah. seen it in the wild yet <laughs> yeah. oh, so actually it's a really good really good question so does Josh apache Fire. cassandra support ipv6 of course it does. Yes, it can. Uh, yes, yeah. it supports IPv6 because it's a JVM. <laughs> um, now the question is, and uh, and how many people are actually using IPv6? Good question. <laughs> I do not know. <laughs> Asia has a lot of it already. It seems uh, I'm not there, so I don't know. But I've been told that in the Asia specific region, IPv4 has been exhausted, and they actually are using IPv6. But I don't know. I know that I know for a fact that a lot of uh, telcos mm -hmm. um, internally. Yeah. Uh, they NAT IPv6, so I'm I would not be surprised as uh, as we if we went into some telcos that use there's a lot of telcos that use Cassandra they are using IPv6 and I know it's a thing because we've got Jira's about it all the time. <laughs> yeah, so somebody's complaining. Lot, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like like a lot of these technologies, it, it's the it's despite the fact that IPv6 has been around forever, it still seems to also at the same time be early days for IPv6. So loads of people kind of still making, you know, really poor assumptions or or just, you know, getting things wrong as a whole. And yeah, that, that definitely leads to uh, well, I, a certain I amount of humans. issues. And Yeah, humans oh. are, I mean, I still use IPv4 in my house because I, I have my whole, <laughs> all my IPs memorized. I know what the IP is on my television. Don't judge me. But um, <laughs> I will if I look at IPv6, <laughs> I do the same. <laughs> What's your IP? Oh, here. Yeah, 21. You know, Sorry. I, right, so here, here we go. There's a strong, this is a good question of your character and quality. In your home network, do you NAT to a 10 dot network or a 192 network? 192, 168.2. Not dot oh, zero. Okay. Because dot zero, that's zero. <laughs> Gotta be an individual. <laughs> uh, ten dot all the way. Oh, nice. Oh, let's make all the main. Great. I'm I'm a ten dot as well. So um, oh come on. What does that tell about <laughs> our personality? <laughs> that bigger is always better. Clearly. Yeah, but I, I got two yeah. one ninety two. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, when you start subnetting out <laughs> class A addressing, you're. Definitely in a new realm. So maybe I should start using IPv6. Okay, I got something out of this podcast today. I mean, you're, you're, you're close enough, surely. Anyway, before we before we disappear down the, the home networking rabbit hole, um, one of the things that I wanted to, to kind of find out was 
when when you see people you know starting to use Apache Cassandra, what are some of the what are some of the things that they often get wrong, or what are some of the maybe the the misconceptions? You know, what what would be if you could kind of allow people to get one thing right out of the gate, what would that be? It's it's data model. It, it is. Yeah. You will make or break your entire life on Cassandra with a good or bad data model. That's probably why I spend almost every waking hour talking about Cassandra data models. Mm -hmm. So how should I approach getting a good data model? Uh (laughs) 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 Can't give me half the answer here, come on. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) way to lead it in. Well, first, you can use IPv6. (laughs) 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 The... uh, the important, so a Cassandra data model, and I think this is where people stumble, is it looks very SQL-like. It has a table, mm-hmm. there's select, there's insert, and um, that was by design. It was meant to be familiar. It wasn't supposed to be like some arcane, crazy syntax that you may or may not ever want to learn. Um, however, it came with a cost, and I think this is one of those hindsight things. Okay, people immediately think of, this is SQL. And yeah. uh, you can, if you start using SQL patterns, such as I'm going to build out third normal form tables and expect to do a join later. That's there's your first anti pattern. No, um, Cassandra being an application based database, you think about your application first. So the way I describe it is whenever you're doing relational database modeling, which most of us have done, you start mm-hmm. with your domain of data, you build the data models from that domain of data. And then you, then from there you build the queries and the queries, express it you know in some sort of third normal form like with a join and things like that um primary keys foreign keys those are all how those work um cassandra flips it on its head you start with your application first with the queries yeah and then you build the models the data will follow after Mm -hmm. and um that that moment and i teach this class a lot and Mm -hmm. we do workshops on cassandra data modeling um that's that's when i need to see the light bulb and when mm-hmm. we get past that, we, we have a methodology that works really well, and we call it application workflow. And it's when you're con- conceptualizing your application, you're like, oh, we're going to have users log in, and they go to the profile, and they can search on videos and things like that. If you conceptualize it and say, okay, here's the workflow, here's the, the flow of my application and how, and how users will do it, you can start pulling out the queries that you need. And that's how you start building your data model with Cassandra. If I have users logging in, here's a login table with authentication. Once they're logged in and I have their ID, then I can use that ID to go get their user profile. Um, and it starts to it starts to form yeah. over time. And um, I think where people get really messed up is that um, you can't just join your way out of a problem. <laughs> you know, you've, you've seen that one before. Like yeah. when, if you're typing the word outer join on an on a SQL statement on your website. You should stop. <laughs> stop. Stop and reevaluate your life because somewhere, yeah. <laughs> somewhere it went horribly wrong. Yeah. Who who hurt you? Show <laughs> um, me on the doll. <laughs> yeah. Sit down on the couch. Let's talk. Um, but the, the the way the one thing you should learn and know how to use above anything else in a Cassandra data model is the primary key. That's that's yeah. Once you get that, full stop. You're good. Yeah, I've always heard that uh, on NoSQL environments, the key is most usually more important than the value, actually. Sure, the value is what you want to find in the end, but concentrate on having good keys. 
and and it, and it goes to the underlying architecture. Mm-hmm. And this is this is where we get into that little nerdy detail. But it's so critical in a distributed database. Nodes are going to be. You could have a thousand nodes in a cluster. I know of two thousand node clusters. Those are really big clusters. And a primary key consists of a partition key and a clustering column. So, and what those the primary key with a partition key in it. That partition key is what's used to basically address that data to a single node and its replicas. So whenever you say select from this table where partition key equals something, that something will get it to a single node. So that's how you get out of a thousand node cluster, single node performance. Um, And again, that's one of those light bulb things. You get that all of a sudden you're doing sub millisecond queries all day long on a thousand node cluster. Nice. Nice. So, I mean, your, your role in, in developer relations at, at data stacks, um, I mean, that one of the things about that means that obviously you're very heavily involved in the, the Apache Cassandra community. So, what what's the what's your favorite part about that about that community what's your favorite part of working with the 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 folks in it It, it's the people um i i am so incredibly fortunate to know some of the people building the most incredible in the amazing things of the future like if i look at my phone and i think of all these cool things that you know like wow this is the future some these are these are developers building the future um the one that makes everything cooler. I, I've met those people and they're really interesting. And this is my favorite part of the job. Um, engineers that I've known at Netflix who are just so, I mean, they're so far out there moving fast. Um, or, you know, somebody at a startup, there was this little startup I was working with years and years ago called Spotify. And I was in <laughs> Stockholm and they were doing some really cool stuff with Cassandra. Because they wanted to make the world use, they were they were passionate about everyone listening to music, and look at where they are now. It's so cool. I mean, I'm like, I, I had no idea. <laughs> um, but it's it's just these things where you're like, we've we've got this enabling technology, and the people that are that have found it are some of the most interesting people in the world. That's very cool. Nice. That, that's the simplest answer you. That's the easiest question you gave me all day. <laughs> Um, now we're gonna have to start wrapping up the interview a little bit. It's been very, great, very nice talking to you, but uh, time does roll on. Um, anything in the future? You hinted a little bit at the next release of Cassandra stuff like that. Anything that people can really look forward to in the short to medium long term? Well, we're like I said before, we have uh, Alpha three just just shipped in the Cassandra project. We're looking at doing uh, rolling out the first beta. Uh, probably in about a month or two. The beta is really for operators using Cassandra now. Put this in your dev environment. This is when we need you to start looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's coming soon. Um, so you're looking for feedback there still. And yeah, more. I think this is where we need more uh, broad-based feedback. Yeah. Um, I think there's been some really, really good testing on the on the core, but you know, <laughs> no database survives contact <laughs> with the user. Um, so, but we're saying well, we think this is the right one. Yeah, Please yeah. go use it. So yeah, yeah. that's that's where that is. Any standout um, features there? Uh, standout features. Well, stability is obviously number one, mm-hmm. but there are some really great features around for operators, especially around how uh, data in large clusters works with streaming. 
Um, for instance, there's a zero copy stream, which is just makes adding new nodes to a cluster so fast. Um, okay. There's improvements in how internode communications works, so it's much mm -hmm. more efficient. We use Netty for that in NIO. Mm -hmm. um, there's uh, there's a really cool feature that I'm very happy about, which I was this was one of my personal um, vendettas to get this into the project, which is virtual tables. Oh. So instead of having to query GMX variables uh, to get status around your uh, your cluster, you can actually go into the command line and type CQL commands. Just think of like the V dollar sign tables in Oracle or something like that. Um, that that's now been added okay. to the system. So yeah. it's about the system tables, more kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. And I was kind of thinking have uh, materialized view kind of stuff. That would have been <laughs> really. I don't know, bad for well, it is a materialized view on, yeah, 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 materialized view on on system variables yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, if you've ever used GMX, you'll be very happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then CLI allowing you to do more, I don't know, scripting, maintenance, uh, whatever, using that information. Right, a lot yeah, easier yeah. to use. Exactly, yeah, integration, yeah. CI/CD pipelines, things like that. Stuff that DevOps like. Yeah, I have a huge spreadsheet of things. Uh, you know, we have the Accelerate conference coming up here in. May uh, okay. and then in San Diego and then there's one in June in London. Um, that conference has a lot of 4.0 talks in it. So if you want to catch up, get get ready to go. Um, I have a huge spreadsheet list uh, list of all the features that people should know about. So just stand by. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, there. And I wasn't going to name them all for you, uh, but yeah, come to the conference if you want to. Um, if you want to learn more about it, we're going to have a lot of committers there talking about it. Yeah, if you can send me a link uh, for the it's probably a web page, I'm assuming for the conference. You can send me a link up in the blog post for this episode. That way, people, uh, our listeners, can uh, find out and get there. Awesome. And, and not only it. that, I will send you a discount code for your listeners. How about that? <laughs> That's even better. I mean, we'll like even, even stuff better. away. Even <laughs> better. All right. Because <laughs> well, such good listeners. <laughs> we usually make this all secret, but hey, it's on the air already, so you will get uh, information when we have it, I guess. You know yeah, what? You don't take, uh, you can't take it back. <laughs> yeah, I can't take it back. Nope. <laughs> See, this is part of my commitment. <laughs> Just say it, it'll happen. <laughs> no, excellent. Thank you very much for that. Right. Um, okay, one last thing. I'm not sure if you want to talk about this. If you don't, just say so. Uh, but there's been a lot of uh, th um, things going on around the whole open source licensing. You already mentioned a little bit there. Um, how is Apache looking at it inside and maybe also outside to the whole, I guess, changing nature of the open source licenses everywhere? I mean, is the Apache project changing? Is that what you're No, I mean, Cassandra, sorry. Are you guys from Data yeah, and, and it's probably more of a data stack topic because mm -hmm. I think there you look at there are some Apache related you know project or there's Apache projects that have a company related to it. Um, there's open source projects that have a company related to it. It's usually the company yeah. related to it that's changing the license. And um, I will I'll tell you this: data stacks we're we're pretty happy having Apache licensing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Good works. Open source license works, um, and we have a commercial license for some of our things, and that's that's fine. We don't need a third license. Um, if you look at most of the licensing out there, uh, the, the changes were basically like, Amazon, we hate you. Uh, <laughs> you can use our stuff unless your name is Amazon. So <laughs> I mean, that's, I, I, I understand it. I think there's a lot of angst in the mm -hmm. open source community about um, this term called strip mining, where yep. you know, clouds strip mine open source projects. Um, 
uh, we at DataStacks now we support Apache Cassandra um, and we have our commercial license for our thing. And I, you know, the cloud, we just had this happen with Apache Cassandra, which was yep. um, uh, Amazon announced their managed Cassandra service and MCS. Um, it's, it's there. Um, now, whether or not that, you know, that, there's some debate on whether or not they, they took a trademark that they shouldn't have. And that's, that's something that we should definitely debate. Um, but you know, that it happened and it's not like, it's not like data stacks is going to create a license to keep that from happening. Um, open source is, if you believe in open source, then you believe in open source and that's where you go. Okay. Cool. Now, while we're on the topic of data stacks itself, if you want to tell us a bit more about uh, how data stacks fits in the picture, um, is it the, the red hat model where you guys uh, perform uh, enterprise level support and things like that, or just uh, tell us a little bit about that, please. Yeah. Well, so we do the, we have an enterprise product that, of course, it comes with the, all the wrappers around it. Lots of, and of course, support and services. Our services team is very busy and, and world-class, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, these are people who make some really cool things happen. Um, but we also have things where we've added some, some components for security, um, where it's a lot of large organizations need like very specific certificates for security. Yeah. We add that sort of thing. Some integrations that are really important for enterprises. Um, uh, we, but we also have a product we call Luna, which is if you're using open source Cassandra and you just want a support contract, you want to be able to call somebody when mm-hmm. something goes sideways. Uh, Luna is really easy to use. You can go to lunar.datastacks.com um, and just sign up there. You don't need to call a salesperson or anything. You just use a credit card. And it's really good. It's a really good thing for like small shops, yeah, um, yeah, startups, yeah. for instance, because it's. Um, I think you'll when you if you look at it, it's really it's meant to be really affordable. So uh, you know maybe a ten person team that just in the, wants to use Cassandra and have some support can get can do it very cheaply. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's that's part of how we want to make sure we we uh, how we add to the ecosystem. It's important to have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, when you start a hobby project and it becomes important and suddenly becomes kind of business critical, then you can reach out and get some help there. Yeah, and you're not ready for that full-blown enterprise exactly. contract. It's perfect. It's a good fit for that, okay. for sure. Cool. Well, um, I'm out of my questions list here, so anything else you would like to add or talk about? Uh, well, I mean, uh, the next event that we're going to be mm-hmm. large and proud and loud is uh, KubeCon. Yep, I was going to mention that one, too, so go ahead. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Come, I'll be there. Uh, so so come, will we? Come say hi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, just uh, go out there and support your local database. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to KubeCon before. Or this is your first one, I'm assuming. No, this is uh, this is my first one. Oh God, uh, I found a fellow. I've been to DockerCon, not KubeCon. <laughs> yeah, so it's, I feel like it's the same crowd. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't know. I haven't first... been to either yet. So, okay, KubeCon, we'll, we'll do it together. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was the only person on the planet who hasn't gone to KubeCon yet, but apparently there's two of us. That's great. Yeah, there's two of us. Yes, exactly. Uh, well, yeah, I guess we'll be surprised when we get there. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see what happens. And what happens yeah. KubeCon stays at KubeCon, right? That's the idea. It's a great place for things to happen <laughs> in a distributed nature. <laughs> Well, on that note, thank you very much, Patrick, for joining us. It's been great talking to you. I'm pretty sure we're going to ask you to come back at some point to talk about the new Cassandra release when it gets out, the big four, though. 
Uh, but until then, uh, yeah, it's been great having you. Thank you very much. All right. Well, thanks a lot for having me. So thanks again to Patrick. That was a great uh, kind of intro to Apache Cassandra and also a good little bit of insight. So uh, for anybody that doesn't have it deployed already or um, is, is Cassandra curious, hopefully this will, uh, this will satisfy your initial desires. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I think it was fun. I learned a bit. Of, I've, been, I've been playing around with NoSQL for a while now, but I still learned a couple of things here and there. And mm-hmm. also during the interview, uh, Patrick mentions the Accelerate event that um, DataStax organizes uh, from time to time. It's going to be in London in June. And everybody keep an eye on our Twitter uh, feed because we should have some promo discount codes appearing there at some point. Um, this is, of course, recorded ahead of time. But I do think those codes will actually come out at the time this goes live or slightly after that it kind of depends a little bit when we get the code ourselves just make sure to follow us on twitter about me fair enough <laughs> so and this is anything else from you nope thanks patrick take it away dave in that case that's all the time we have today you can support this podcast by becoming a patron every contribution helps and we are on YouTube. You can like, subscribe, notification bell, all the YouTube things. Uh, please go to www.roaringelephant.org for a link to our Patreon page and for more information about the podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter using the at Roaring Elephant tag and send your feedback to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Until then, my name is Dave. And my name is John. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Goodbye. See you then.